Welcome into another uh, another edition of the Blue Jay Beat Post Game Podcast, everybody. Um, this is Matt DeMarinas coming at you after Creighton's, I forgot the score, 59-56 to 56 win over UConn in the Big East Tournament semifinals, the classic little Rucker Park rock fight. Um, this podcast is sponsored by CourtDate. Uh, CourtDate.io is um, kind of the new way to play in Omaha. It's a website run by... My guy, Matt Hoover, he used to do some analytics work with us at White and Blue Review, um, breaking down some basketball uh, basketball games back when the Jays started to get rolling offensively, and there was a whole bunch of advanced stance to look for. So Matt's a good dude. Um, he's got a new site, basically trying to hook up whatever you got. Like if you're just a player, if you got a team, um, if you're looking for uh, skills workouts and you got a trainer, um, courtdate.io is kind of a middleman to help you get set up with local, uh, local gyms in the Omaha Metro area. Um, if you're looking for a COVID friendly socially distanced area, I know we're kind of hopefully running into the tail end of that portion of the, of the deal. But um, since the vaccines are still being rolled out, we're not quite at herd immunity yet. Um, Matt's got a Matt's got a way to hook you guys up with whatever you need. So check out courtdate.io um, and make sure you can find a spot to get some get some gym work in. Um, on today's podcast, uh, tonight's podcast. Sorry, it's I think it's midnight. No, it's eleven fifteen. Um, we have former Blue Jay bucket getter, uh, fifteen hundred plus point scorer, I believe, um, Audrey Faber, number forty five in your programs. Probably top five in your hearts, right? There's a lot of good Hooper, J- little Jays Hoopers, right? You'll settle for top five, won't you? Yeah, I'll settle for that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, Audrey's actually coaching now. You're back at the old stomping grounds, right, Dowling Catholic? How's that yep. going? Yeah, Dowling Catholic. It's been awesome. Um, obviously, thankful they had me back. Um, this year was a little different, obviously. First year coach. Um, a little more, a few more obstacles, but um, overall, it was really good. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, the girls were great. We made it to state, which is always the goal. So that was fun just to kind of see them progress throughout the season. So uh, I think the, the 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 funniest part for me when I ask former athletes who are like fresh out of their sport, essentially, when they mm-hmm. get into coaching, they the hardest part they've told me is that they, they can't um, deal with the reality of getting old, I guess. So they're like, I can still beat all these kids. Like they're not on my level, but I feel like, I feel like the end is coming. That's what they keep telling me. So I guess where, where are you in that, in that, in that phase, I guess, are you, are you still like, I'll give any of you buckets if you mouth off or are you starting to realize that you have to like tone it down a little bit? I mean, I did beat a few of them in a shooting competition. Like I'm not going to take it easy on them. So, (laughs) um, but I don't know if I could go up and down the floor with them. Um, I think I'm a little washed up in that area, but okay. um, All right. I mean, I'll take them in a shooting competition if they want it. <laughs> yeah. Just like stand still, Steve yeah, Alford style. Exactly. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah you gotta be smart about it. Uh-huh. Um, so how was the state experience? Like, did you guys have some um, fans in the arena? Were you able to get some type of atmosphere and some kind of sense of what that was like for you back in high school? Did you get a little bit of that back at all? Yeah, a little bit. They allowed fans in, which was nice. And there was a student section, which our team hadn't had all year. So Mm. that was different. Obviously, they were just allowed to have their parents or their siblings all season long. So um, more fans were allowed. And it's just a bigger arena, right? Different than your home court. Um, 
but overall just like a really cool experience for a lot of them because um, all the returners you know they didn't go last year so um, to make it this year I think it was just really cool for them and especially for the seniors right they've had a lot taken away from them so um, just a cool ending for them nice well congratulations on making it to the state I know that was a big deal um, yeah. even though it was a short stay, I know that's gonna, yeah. Yeah. that's gonna motivate you more. I know how you are, but that it, yeah. congratulations on making it to state. That's really cool. Um, let's get into this, uh, this Creighton UConn game a little bit here. Obviously I don't know what you thought about it, but, uh, all these UConn games, man, they just like, they go the same way. And it's, you, uh-huh. you, you start to, I think it got to the point where it was like 10 minutes into the first half and I was like, well, this one's going to be a one possession game damn near the whole way. So better get settled in for that type of high, you know, high intensity possessions. Right. So um, yeah. I guess what, when did you realize that I guess neither team was, was, or if you ever did that neither team was going to have it an easy time creating separation and that they were up for a down to the wire finish. Yeah. I mean, I think pretty early on, you could kind of see just with UConn's pressure, it was going to be an intense game. Right. I mean, you had to fight to get, any bucket or any open look. Um, So I think that was probably the biggest thing right away. And I mean, even to see them go down low right away um, and just, I don't know, just their offensive movements. And um, obviously the stakes are heightened in the tournament. So Creighton didn't come off like with the best start, but um, just UConn's pressure right away and just kind of how difficult it was to get a good look and obviously they probably didn't shoot like they wanted to but um I mean I mean it was just hard to get looks honestly and everything I felt like everything was contested like every single shot was contested yeah there were several good points in there uh the first one I guess the looks especially in the second half it felt like like Creighton was just not getting a good role and I know that happens some days for shooters uh I can remember like practices with you and Jalen where you're cussing each other out because <laughs> you're just like, you go eight for 10 and you're like, why did I, why did those two not go in essentially? Like that's kind of what it felt like in the second half for, for Creighton. I felt like their looks were ones that considering UConn's uh, defensive prowess, they're like, we'll take these. Yeah. These are the highest quality looks we're going to get against this, against this squad. So if we can just get a few of them to go down, We'll, we'll, they'll be in pretty good shape, but it just felt like it was really tough to mm-hmm. string them together, even though I felt like their possessions were were generating the looks that they thought they were going to get um, mm-hmm. on the night just didn't fall. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you play through that when you're, you know, you're frustrated that you can't get a shot to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that if you, if you let it, you know, kind of um, spiral in terms of your intensity on the defensive end, that you'll find yourself in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think they were getting the looks they wanted. I mean, it was just unfortunate roles or um, just very contested shots. Um, But I think for me, that just shows kind of their experience and that maturity that you just play through that, right? Um, I think like Damian hit a three there towards the end. I mean, that those weren't going in most of the second half. And I mean, that's a really big shot. Um, so just the experience and the, the confidence to keep taking those shots, I think, um, really proves that. Yeah. And the other part of it you brought up too, was, uh, the inside game for UConn, mm-hmm. uh, Adama Sonogo, just a freshman, by the way. So if people are like trying to wonder what Creighton's in store for in a few years, that dude is a beast. Um, 
he was killing them in the first half. I mean, I think he had eight points real quick. Mm-hmm. And then he got those two fouls and Hurley put him on the bench. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it was uh, 13 to four when he went out the first time. And then Creighton scored seven straight. Yeah. And then when he went out the second time, I think it was 17, 13. So Creighton outscored them 24 to 11 when he was off the floor. So you can clearly tell yeah. what, what UConn needs on the floor here. And it was that, you know, Sonogo at the five or four, and then uh, Sonogo at the four, so they can put Whaley at the five mm-hmm. and they can just go with the two big lineup. Cause that was what Creighton had a real problem with. Cause it's just hard to, hard to finish yeah. inside. Whaley's one of the best shot blockers in the, in the league. Um, sure. I think he's second in the league in shot block. So how did, yeah. Like, so in the second half, when, when, uh, well, let's go to the first half first. Like, what did you see uh, that Creighton was able to exploit once Sonoga was off the floor? Cause it felt like DJ got downhill a lot. Christian was able to take way of the off the dribble. Like how much does having that second shot blocking presence, that rim protection presence off the floor create, does it boost your confidence as a player that you have, um, that if you can drive, get into the seam, get to the rim, there's not as much rim protection there and you can feel a little bit better about your chances to finish inside? Yeah, I mean, definitely in the first half, Christian and Damian, I think, just made tough plays, especially um, Damian. I mean, just his drives and just getting to the rim. Um, and I think just not settling, right? I mean, he just made it a point that he was going to get that bucket no matter what. And then, I mean, obviously – once you know the shot blocker is in foul trouble and he's off the floor, that gives you a little more confidence and kind of, I don't know, you just know you can look for drives more often, right? You don't have to settle for shots or um, fadeaways or all of that um, because it really can play mind games with you, right? When you know someone's can block your shot. Um, so I would definitely say those two in the first half, especially. DJ is one of those dudes who doesn't take no for an answer and they go, yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know uh, what, what what do you think of his game when it, or like how does it boost a team's confidence knowing that they when when the system is kind of tough to come by like they move the ball but they can't generate good looks because UConn's always in the right spot um, and they're and they're heating up the perimeter that DJ mm-hmm. can just kind of take the ball and take his man and go mano and mano and like make a tough yeah. play because even with Sonogo on the floor I remember there was one play where he didn't finish it but he went yeah. right into Sonogo's chest, like elevated everything. Like he is, he's about that life. If you know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't, sure. he's not afraid of it. So yeah, he just makes things happen. Honestly. I mean, he just makes tough plays happen. And I mean, he has some really, really strong finishes. I mean, he works hard on the glass as well, which can really set the tone, especially when you're struggling um, shooting. So um, I think when you see that as a team, it kind of just boosts your confidence a little more and, kind of just makes you lock in on those hustle plays rather than lock in on that you're not maybe you're not making the shots you want to make right now um but yeah he just makes things happen and he's so tough and he's willing to make those tough plays and those hustle plays and I mean that's a role every team needs yeah if you're going to be a really good team you need a guy mm-hmm. who is just willing to <clears throat> willing to be the toughest man on the floor in the toughest moment when it requires it so you know you had a double double tonight and then you know, James Booknight, obviously, they, Creighton's only played them one time with Booknight, and he had 40 on them the first game. So, um, but they held him to 4 of 14 tonight, and he got most of his points at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, DJ gets a, deserves a lot of credit for that because while Denzel did a good job and while Creighton did a good job of kind of 
um, you know, blitzing those ball screens when he would come off of them and, and showing him bodies on his, on his drives and not always giving him, you know, those driving lanes. DJ was really good on him when Denzel got in foul trouble. Yeah. Right. So like as much as DJ was good on the glass and good at creating his own offense off the bounce, he also helped shut down UConn's best perimeter option. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it just goes back to kind of what you said, like he's just willing to do it and he, He's just about that right like he mm-hmm. he was there to compete tonight and yeah. I mean you saw it it was a battle and I mean he kind of set the tone um I mean and that's what you want in the tournament right um you want you want that fuel so um I mean good for him for setting the tone on both sides of the floor right I mean that's what you need from an experienced player like him I feel like we've said that a lot about DJ this year is like yeah like I, I can I can remember thinking back in my mind I'm going through like the first six minutes of a game or the first four minutes of the game, that first stretch. And I'm like, Damian Jefferson setting a tone. Like he is just a tone setter this year. He's the guy who establishes the, the terms of engagement kind of way to put it, I guess. Like he's going to, he's the guy, he's the guy who will let the opponent know. Like, if you think we're going to out here play like a yeah. f- some finesse basketball and get some open gym, like it's going to be a battle to beat us. So I think that's, yeah. he plays such an important role. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get a lot of love. You know, those roles don't get a lot of love, like, nat- like publicly, like in the media and stuff. But yeah, when you watch it. It jumps off the screen, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, some of those plays don't translate to the stat sheet, right? Like the hustle plays or um, I don't know, just the tough, strong moves that he makes. I mean, as a teammate, I don't know how you don't see that and just, like, get hyped for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just – tough plays. I'm sure I've said that like 10 times, but I it's mean, just, it fits though. It's yeah. True. yeah. I mean, he, he battles and he fights and he's not going to back down. He has an edge to himself. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's just tough. When you, uh, the, 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 I think the turning point in the game obviously was, um, you, you mentioned it with DJ's three, right? So, yeah. you know, UConn, Creighton, UConn created some separation. I think they were up 48, 43. Mm-hmm. And then Creighton drew it back to even on that. And then Book Knight, uh, you know, one of the rare times he got downhill, he got downhill, finished at the rim, drew the foul on Ballack, converted the three-point play, then got to the free throw line again. Um, mm-hmm. So he he answered with five in a row. And honestly, I, I don't – I have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that's kind of how the first game went too. It was nip and tuck. Book Knight uh, scored like five in a row or seven in a row. And then Creighton yeah. uh, went on a big run to tie it, and and DJ hit the big mm-hmm. bucket late to send it to overtime. So yeah. that's I, I I don't know if that's accurate. That's how I remember it. Was Booknight did yeah. Booknight made a run, then Creighton answered, and that's how it went tonight again. Booknight had that five zero run on his own. He made it fifty three forty eight, and then I think I think I can't remember that. I think Creighton tied it at the free throw line, and then DJ, uh, you know, uh, got free on the perimeter and knocked down that three to tie it. And then uh, Christian got Whaley up in the air for a little up and under finish. And then yeah. Marcus Segarowski, like cold blooded killer Marcus, like I know. Uh, hit that jumper to like, that was, that felt like a pretty, I mean, there was time left, but it felt like a dagger when he hit it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what did you see in that nine Oh run in terms of Creighton's ability to respond when the moment required it? You know what I mean? Like that's just a tough experienced, mm-hmm. motivated group. That's just not going to, like, fine, you guys made the run, but we're coming back at you. We're not backing down from that. For sure. And I think whenever you watch this team, like, 
I never feel like they're out of a game just because of the runs they can go on. It's just insane. Like you just string a couple threes together and a couple stops together and it's, you know, they're back in the game. But again, I totally agree with your experience comment. I mean, the, the people that needed to take the shots took the shots. And I mean, that is such a big thing, right? Um, especially down to the wire, you want the right people taking shots and that's what happened. And um, I mean, that's all five of them working together to make sure they get a good shot mm -hmm. uh, and they converted when they needed to. So again, experience. I don't know how much have you been able to just watch of Christian's career because obviously <clears throat> you've been going through your own plus you've been coaching. So um, what's his career arc look like to you? Like why, what's made him um, so much better in your eyes as a five man who needs to be needs to require defensive attention, I guess is the best way to say it. Like he's yeah. not just some guy you can leave out on the perimeter because he can't shoot the three at a high level. He's mm -hmm. someone you have to guard because of the way you can put the ball on the deck. Like how dangerous is he as a, as a five man with some versatility? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely think he's evolved a lot. Um, and I think they put him in the right positions to be successful. Um, I think he's grown a lot as a finisher, I would say, is probably one thing that I've really noticed. Um, and that a lot of that comes from just strength, right, um, and maturity and kind of just learning how to finish through contact. Um, but, I mean, I just think he's evolved a lot, especially just 15 feet and in, right? I mean, especially as a post player, you want to be able to put the ball on the floor, but not too much, right? You want to limit that. So I think he's really grown in his finishing as well and just kind of finding ways because he might not be the strongest post player some nights, but mm -hmm. he finds ways to, to battle against that. And again, they put him in those positions as well. And I mean, I think they just do so, so much movement in their office offense, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, he's screening, he's rolling, he's slipping, um, just does a great job of moving overall, which also sets him up. Yeah. It's tough for the defense ever to get comfortable because they're never in the same spot on the floor. Exactly. Unless, they, unless they go into zone, which is like, you know, God bless you at that point. Like, right. <laughs> you're going to eat threes all live long day. Yeah. In the zone. Uh -huh. um, but you, you know, that goes into a little bit of the dynamic of your career too, because you guys would go small with you at the five. And uh, I can remember Christian early in his career that I would get a lot of questions from fans. Like why doesn't Creighton use a double big lineup and move Christian to a four mm -hmm. and put him on the floor, let all that, let all that athleticism be on the floor. But, have more size like right but yeah. what 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 is it what does it do to have a versatile five on the floor who can put a five player who can put the ball on the deck um someone that can drag a rim protect rim protection away from their basket um how, how much does that open up an offense mm -hmm. that moves as much as Creighton does that, that has so many moving parts that are crossing in front of your eyes uh that are, that's tough to keep track of everything that's going on in front of you yeah, and I think especially for teams with a lot of shooters, I mean, I think it just opens it up that much more, right? Um, and like you said, the movement, I mean, it just creates confusion for the defense, right? They have to acknowledge everyone at the perimeter, um, but also anyone can take it to the basket, right? Take it off the dribble. So um, I think it just puts the defense in a bind and you kind of make them decide what they want to give up, right? Um, I mean, it really forces them to make the decision. Um, if you're making the correct movements and you're making the correct reads on offense and everyone's being a threat, right? Everyone has to be a threat if you're in a small lineup. And he's so good at making those reads too, right? Like the, uh -huh. the, hit, the hit and chase stuff they put into play 
last year, I think it was after they lost to Butler. So maybe early January, that first week of January, I think they were one and two in conference play because they lost at home to Nova mm-hmm. and they went and lost at Hinkle. Because yeah. um, Christian can read the floor and he can make play. He makes plays like a guard out there, right? But yeah. he's strong, long. He can finish inside over shot blockers. He knows how to manipulate them and, and get use angles to, to finish inside. But he also is a good playmaker in those DHOs with Marcus and Mitch. Um, he's a good screener. Like so much of the what Creighton does offensively is linked to his ability to, you know, set screens at good angles, uh, get guys at good depth to catch and shoot, um, play a two-man game with Marcus or Mitch or or Denzel, uh, you know, attack a five-man off the dribble and create a situation where he sets his feet and either reverses it or finds someone in the corner for a, for an easy catch and shoot three, you know, so much of what they do offensively, you, you look at the numbers like, yeah, Marcus is leading scorer. Denzel's right up there. Mitch is right up there. Um, and then DJ certainly can create his own offense anytime he has the ball in his hands, but Christian can create the whole thing for everybody because of his versatility. So I think yeah. while, while some people probably are still maybe, would prefer a traditional offense with, you know, like Kalkbrenner on the floor as a shot blocking five and Christian at the four, like as a power forward um, mm-hmm. in this, in this conference, like the way Creighton plays and at, at, when they're at their best um, it's Christian as that point five man, essentially you put the ball in his hands, you space the floor. Um, mm-hmm. He can make plays like a guard out there that can compromise the defense. So it's, he's a, yeah. he's as big a part of the offense as anybody. I mean, and even some of his looks or a lot of his looks tonight, I mean, it was just one-on-one in the post because they have to respect the shooters, right? I mean, it was just one-on-one looks and he just had to make a move to get to the rim. So um, I think that's also a big, a big positive of playing that smaller lineup. Um, And like I said, he's kind of grown with how he's finishing and he's gotten stronger. So he can, he can take post players one-on-one as well. And then, uh, like we've said tonight, Whaley's one of the best shot blockers in the in the in the conference. I think he's I think he's second in shot block in block shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he guards Christian really well. Yeah. Because because again, Christian has the ability to take him away from the rim and make him guard him for 20 feet, essentially. Like, all right, you can come try to block this, but I'm gonna make you guard me from the three line to the rim. Um and then like the finish he had that gave Creighton the lead for good. Again, he got Whaley up in the air with a couple shot fakes inside, a little a little drop step. Um, mm-hmm. And once he got Whaley in the air and he still had his dribble alive, that was an easy finish, really, because the shot blocker already took himself out of the play. So I think he's just really smart, too. Yeah, I would agree with that. And just his movement and his timing, I would say. Um, like his slips are right on time, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, the pass has to get there as well. But um, I think late in the game, I think they – had two like slip plays to him just to get an ISO. And again, that just puts the defense in a, in a bind because they think they're guarding the screen and then he just quickly slips and can, and is a threat to go score. Mm-hmm. So what's the, what's it like for Creighton now after, I mean, so last night was easy. They got to play a lot of guys. They killed Butler. They didn't really extend anybody, any of their main rotation guys, heavy minutes. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone exceeded 30 minutes in that game, but tonight was a grinder, right? That they're going to feel this one, you know, tonight when they're getting their recovery in. So how do you bounce back from a game like this and get yourself ready for, 
a Georgetown team that they're not quite as physical across the board as UConn, but they're pretty fit. Like they're pretty long and athletic and they, they have been more physical of late. Like, so it, mm-hmm. it, it is setting out to be another one of these games. They, they just played the yeah. night. So how do you get your, how do you get your body as good as you can possibly get on a short turnaround after a physical battle like that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it helps that their first game, obviously, like you said, didn't play too many heavy minutes. Um, so that's an advantage. Um, but you also have to realize that Georgetown's tired too, right? Um, they have some fatigue as well. Um, but I mean, it's the championship, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be lacking any motivation or any of that. So I think that'll kind of be the, the, the factor that pushes them through. Um, and I mean, it's just nice to know, kind of going back to that first game, um, what their bench can do, right? They had a lot of bench points. So just knowing you have that, that behind you, um, mm-hmm. like, let's say if some people don't show up, right? Um, I mean, you, you have other weapons on your bench. So I think that's just an extra layer of confidence. But I mean, it's a championship game. I think they're going to be all right. Um, but obviously getting rest and just making sure you're taking care of your body, which I know they're doing and they're well taken care of. I mean, that's interesting because it will be the third game in, in three days for them. And when you were a freshman, you played four and four, right? In Chicago. Yeah. yeah. But I remember the third game of that day was the semifinals against Seton Hall and you guys kicked their ass, right? Like that was probably your easiest game of the tournament. So yeah. what did you guys go into that third game feeling good? Were you, were you, was there enough adrenaline coursing through you that you felt like, yeah, we can make it through 40 minutes here. We'll be good. Yeah. Okay. That feels like forever ago. <laughs> it almost no. is forever ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think, who did we play in our second game? Um, you played Villanova without Villanova, Kier. yeah. yeah Coyer was out for, yeah, Villanova, they were hurt, so of course, but you had beaten them twice with Coyer, yeah. so I don't know if um, that would have gone different. I mean, that scene hall game was just wild, and we were just clicking as a team, honestly. So, when you're having fun out there, I mean, you don't really realize that you're exhausted. Um, I mean, I think we definitely probably felt it in the championship more, obviously, because oh, we definitely. had played more yeah. game than St. John's had, yeah. Um, but by the time you guys got to the fourth quarter, there was nothing left in the tank. Oh, literally nothing left in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were pretty beaten up too. Like we didn't have the deepest bench that year either. No, right? that's right. Cause I think Bree yeah. and Marissa were both hurt. So you didn't have a, yeah. and Jalen was redshirting. So you didn't have a deep yeah. bench at all. Yeah. 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 It was a grind, but yeah. it was fun. I mean, that's one for the books for sure. That team. <laughs> like, so, but you, but you know what, it, what tonight feels like for, for oh, yeah. these guys, like what's uh what are the emotions that you're going through knowing that you got one more before you got one more to go essentially before you can, uh, you know, feel that feeling of accomplishment. Like there's the goal is essentially right in front of your face. Like go get it. It's 40 minutes away. What's yeah. the, what's the, what is does the mind sweat switch, switch really quick after you get through this one? Um, I think it does in a way because you really can leave it all out there. Right. Like mm-hmm. in this game, you're kind of hoping you're going to make it to the championship. So you have another game to play, but going to the championship, I mean, you literally have to leave it all out there. Um, and I don't know. I think that is probably just the biggest mindset shift. Um, you don't really have anything else to, I mean, obviously March madness, but their yeah. focus right now is the tournament. So it's really just leaving it all out there. And um, I mean, you really can't leave anything in the tank. Right. Did you notice it with your kids at all this year? Cause Creighton's in, in this, this team is in this position where March got taken from them last year when they were, they were on a roll. Right. So mm-hmm. Marcus got hurt. 
Um, then the pandemic hit, the Big East tournament, and the tournament get canceled before it kind of got going for them. They only played that first half against St. John's. Um, does that unfinished business, does that like, does that, does that, did that sit with you with your team this year? Like, hey, we want to, we want to get back to this spot because we didn't get to enjoy this part of the season as much last year. Yeah, I definitely would say our team had an edge to them. And um, I think they also kind of just had the edge of they wanted to prove people wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So I would, I mean, I think unfinished business definitely is a motivator. Um, And I'm sure for this group it is as well. Um, I mean, obviously I can't speak for them, but I mean, yeah. I do think think that they are, they look motivated though they look like a team that has been waiting for this moment, I guess I should say, because they've had some games this year, excuse me. They've had some games this year that have been, I don't know, losses that you probably wouldn't have expected based on their experience and their talent level. Right. So Mm -hmm. losing that home to Marquette, losing that home to Providence and Georgetown, you're like, what's, why is Creighton losing those games when they were so good at home last year? Um so yeah, it's I think I think a little bit I don't I don't want to say this team was kind of sleepwalking. I think they were trying to build towards this, but yeah. I do think March is it hit different when it got to that point for them. They're like this yeah. is these this the points that they're at right now were is everything that they didn't get to experience last year. For sure. All that pain from having the season cut short, not having a chance to go to the Big East tournament and prove that you're the best mm-hmm. team in the league after winning the after tying for the league title. Uh, yeah. with, with teams that you beat three times um, and then not having a March Madness where it seemed like the rest of the country thought uh, Creighton could make a deep run. Like they were, they were a team that had kind of improved a lot with this group of guys and that they had kind of like graduated up into this upper echelon of the country in terms of the elite teams. And so this year, you know, there was a little bit of inconsistency. There was some up and down, but it did feel like they were just building towards this. Like they were like, let's make sure, <clears throat> let's make sure we're healthy. Let's make sure we're right uh, physically. Let's make sure we get on the same page and everything. Obviously they've had some issues that have interrupted that, uh, that process, but that's out of mm-hmm. their control too. Um, but these two performances here in New York, you can't help but think that, yeah, Creighton's kind of March ready at this point. I mean, they that Butler team is not that Butler team had just beaten Villanova at, when Villanova was at full strength, without Aaron Thompson, without everybody. Mm-hmm. So they, they were playing pretty well. I mean, that Xavier game was that was some high level stuff from Butler. So that walking over them isn't easy to do. And then this UConn team was the betting favorite in the in the tournament. Like mm-hmm. everybody, they were the betting favorite to win the Big East tournament because of everything that Creighton's been going through off the court. And because uh, Villanova doesn't have Gillespie anymore and Justin Moore is hurt. So UConn was not only the betting favorite, but they were kind of like a darling to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And Creighton beat them on their terms tonight. It was a big, it was a physical 40-minute war. Um, It wasn't a pretty game by any means. So it was on UConn's terms and Creighton prevailed again, beating them for the third time this year, the second time with Booknight. Yeah. And I think it just says a lot about the conference as well. Like, I mean, like you have to prove it every game. Right. And I mean, we probably talk about Creighton needing to prove it. Cause like you said, you mentioned those games that they maybe have dropped. So um, they might have a little more edge to them that they want to prove it. But I mean, this conference is just so good that you, 
literally do have to prove it every night that yeah, if you get caught slipping someone will get you right yeah exactly that you're at the top of the league and I mean that's where this team wants to be so um I think that's probably also where that edge comes from is just I mean it is just so competitive yeah let's jump into questions a little bit here um <laughs> she goes she's because her family chimed in so we, we'll get to those for sure I love when the family chimes in. I love, yeah. I, miss, I miss your family. I'm like, I was like, when Audrey's career ended, I was like, dang it. Yeah. No more of those questions. Um, let's see where are we start, at. This is always the hard part because I go through Twitter and I lost my, yeah. <laughs> lose my place. Uh, okay. So, question number one from Bob Schulte uh, What is it with all these crappy camera angles? I've been getting camera questions a lot. Oh, my gosh. What is it with all these cra- crappy camera angles they're using at MSG? They're making me dizzy. Uh, Bob, you're not the only one. Uh, do you like to? Yeah, are you? Are you feeling the same way? I wish I knew the answer because <laughs> I mean they are just not good angles. And I swear, whenever they pan to them, the play happens on the other side of the floor. Yeah, like, you can't see anything at all, and you're just like, well, I don't know who scored. I don't know who assisted on it. Um, I mean, it obviously looks cool, but. I mean, I'm trying to watch the game, right? So yeah. it's a struggle. Yeah, I don't I even. I don't even know if I'm going to give them that much credit. It doesn't look. It doesn't look cool to me. It's just different. It's like okay, yeah. Yeah. you thought of a different angle to show us the game here, but yeah. you're 100 percent right. Every time they've gone yeah. to that, it feels like the play happens on the far side of the court. It like does. Marcus's. Yep. Uh, Marcus is behind the back dime to Christian last night. Yes. They were. They were. They cut to that camera when it happened, so we didn't get to see how awesome that play was. I'm like, can you just? show us the regular thing that's been working since the eighties. Like it's not that hard to watch a basketball game. Just give us that camera angle. That's kind of what exactly. it was for. Um, yeah. And I think tonight Booknet had a driving layup mm-hmm. and, and one and I'm like, okay, did he get touched? Like, did he get fouled? Like, was it a bad call? Can you show me all that stuff? Like, I don't know what happened there. All I know no, is no. he fell in the ball. I don't, you couldn't even see the ball. Yeah. Like he fell and the camera's on the floor and it's looking at book night. I'm like, did the ball go in? Like, can you throw us a bone here? I know. So, it's like, it's almost like you're below the court in a way. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little difficult. Yeah. Someone, la- so- someone last night called it the toddler cam because that's what it feels like you are yeah. when you're looking through it. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's you, f- you feel that small. Um, let's see. Where are we at? Um, this one's person's name is not Matt. Okay. So I don't know what his name is. It's not Matt though. Yeah. Um, McDermott didn't directly answer this recently, but I'm curious to get Audrey's perspective. How much does playing intense defense? Always oh, ask for Audrey's perspective on defense. Okay. How much does inten- how much does playing intense defense like Mahoney did tonight on book night affect you on the offensive end of the floor? So how does the defense affect? The yeah. So if you were like if you're guarding like a Shadim Samuels or mm-hmm. um, I guess I don't know if you guarded Blockton at all from Marquette, but just like those big. Um, tweener perimeter players that can, you know, take you off the dribble and shoot at the same time. Like how, how much does guarding them affect you on the offensive end? Um, ooh, I mean, obviously when you have a tough assignment, you're more locked in on that defensively. So I would say it almost kind of takes your focus off of the offensive end, which can kind of be a good thing. You can kind of play a little more free and not, Kind of stress, but obviously when you're guarding a good player, it can exhaust you, especially after you've had multiple games Mm -hmm. in a row. Um, 
and especially if that is like your role for that game, right? If that, if your role is to lock that person down, um, I mean, you really have to expend a lot of effort um, and make sure you do your job. Um, but also if you're thinking about it from the offensive perspective, I mean, it takes a toll on them to know that they have to fight for a good look, right? And that they're yeah. getting a lot of attention. So it's also exhausting them. So it kind of goes both ways, I would say. Um, but I know sometimes when I was, when I was more focused on defense, um, <laughs> I tended to play more like free and loose on the offensive end and not put as much pressure on myself, I would say. So would you say it's easier for the offense to affect the defense than the other way around? Like if you were missing, if you went through a stretch where you were like one for six, would you yeah. say that's, that's more likely to affect your defense than defense affecting your offense? Ooh. Um, I mean, I would say those, that stretch when I was struggling, that was most, mostly probably me and mentally and uh, (laughs) internal and not probably not just being confident with myself, but obviously I knew I had good defenders on me. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was hard to get looks and credit goes to them all like always, obviously. I mean, um, but I mean, I don't know. That's hard to say. Um, it also depends on the player, I think. That was a very diplomatic answer by you. I wouldn't think you would think anybody could defend you. Um, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> so credit goes to them. Like, no, I feel like I should get buckets on this chick. Like, what's going yeah. on here? Yeah. Um, let's see. It's hard reading these on mentions because everything, <laughs> everything <laughs> flies at you after a game. I should yeah. really write these down before. Um, yeah, I'm just putting off, I'm putting off the family questions because those are the funny ones. So, uh, this one's from Lance Raby, your former, uh, public address announcer. Um, shout out Lance. Thanks for the question though. I've never heard the kind of chatter on the floor at Sokol like we heard tonight. Yeah. You can say that again. (laughs) (laughs) UConn talks a little different. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, which former teammate does Audrey think had the best talking game? Okay, so I have to say I saw this tweet before we came on here. All right, so you have some time to think it, about it. Okay. I sent it to Jalen and Olivia, and Jalen's response was, you. <laughs> so That's what I would have said, too. I go, wait, yeah. isn't Audrey the one who would talk like that? Yeah. Yeah, so, but my first thought was Jade. <laughs> I mean, okay, all right, that's yeah. a good one. That was my first thought, um, but I also would say people would say me, probably, just because – if I was spoken to, I would probably say something back. I was going to say, if I picked someone, if I had to pick a Creighton player over the last decade who I feel like would, was always talking some, some, some trash, uh, it would probably be either, it's funny because you guys both play kind of the same position. It would probably be either you or Sarah Nelson. Yeah. Like, I feel like you, if you, if, 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 whatever type of game you were in, if it was a rock fight or if you were getting off, if you were going off, like you'd be talking. So I think that yeah. I think you'd be the top two for sure. If I were to recall just the teams I've covered, um, which opponent talked the most? Was it Marquette? It felt like it was Marquette. Marquette what? talked, uh, St. John's talked. Um, yeah, I would say Marquette though, probably. And Marquette like talked during the game, like during live. Oh, okay. Like, sometimes okay. it's just like at a dead ball. Right. And you're just yeah. like, I'll just walk away. But some, sometimes it's live and you're like right next to them. Really? Um, I don't know, but has yeah, any, I would say Marquette. Has anyone has anyone has anyone messed up and put you in the zone? Like, did anyone 
talk their way into getting like buckets just put on their head constantly. Do you remember a game where you were like, all right, I'm just going to go off now. Like, and they're going to, they're going to pay for what they say essentially. I do remember Marquette at home my senior year. Oh, Um, when they were, when they were top 10, right? Yeah. There was some chat at that game. Um, And they, I think they were pressing, pressing us. And I mean, there was just a lot of talk going on and, Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just remember like throwing a pass to Jalen and she got an and one. I was like, all right, it's go time now. <laughs> like, now we're going. <laughs> yeah. That was a big win for you guys. I remember yeah. that because with Jalen hurt all year. It was hard for you guys to get in the rhythm and Marquette was rolling. Yeah. Uh, I think they were top 15 when they came in yeah. on you guys beat them. I think you were up like 20 on them, weren't you? Did yeah. You that was a wild them? game. There were some yeah. injuries too. It was just yeah. kind of a wild game. Yeah. Yeah. That was cr- that when they start <laughs> them and Seton hall, whenever they would like start pressing to get themselves well, back in the game, it turned into like the yeah. stupidest, stupidest basketball you've ever seen. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember that Seton hall game when they were trying to get back into it and like, they were literally tackling live. Oh yeah. Like, like in the back. It's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, is that throw? Like, live. Yeah, it is always live, right? It's always live. Um, let's see. Now I got to find the first. Actually, I'll save Thomas for last because that's a funny one. Okay. Um. So Mama Faber, uh, yeah. TK. What's her What's her first name? I only know TK. Well, her name is Kathy, but for some reason she like my dad's name is Tom. So I don't know. You don't know how it works. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I I've always, I've always, I probably should know because of the media guy, but I always just assume TK is, is yeah. his favor. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first question's uh, a little strange. Not usually the basketball question you get when Michael Jordan's involved, but she wants to know Larry Bird or Michael Jordan. Oh, my dad loves Larry Bird. That's why. Oh, okay. So it's a family, family squabble that you're settling here on air. Yeah. I, would probably have to say Michael Jordan. I mean, I mean, yeah, you have to say him, right? I mean, especially. I mean, I, mean I don't know if you're looking behind me right now, but there's two. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you have to say Michael Jordan on this podcast. Yeah. Um, my dad's a really big Larry Bird fan, so obviously he's a great player as well. Sorry, Dad, but <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> so is is mom on Team MJ and dad's on Team Bird? Is that how it goes? Um, I don't know what team my mom's on. Um, okay. we just know my dad's on Larry Bird, so. And he, he would take Bird over MJ. Um, I would I think so honestly. Wow. I don't know. All right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that. Question. Maybe I should have him on the podcast real quick and see and get this get this over. Island phone a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I've heard that you like Bird over Jordan. What's what's going on? Um, what are some of your your pregame superstitions? Oh. I have a lot, honestly. I was pretty superstitious. Um, it's, probably why she, it's probably why she asked, because there's some weird stuff going on. Yeah, there, right? because she probably got dragged into a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, in high school, I had to have an apple and a Snickers before every game, and that kind of carried on into college, and then I stopped it. Um, if I had a bad game, I usually would, like, paint my nails white <laughs> after. If- if you had a bad game, you'd paint. If white I had after. a bad game and like my nails weren't painted, then I would paint them white. Um, Why? What's that? What? What? I, I don't know. I just, I just did it. I so don't. That, like a like a little, just get it out of your system, kind of. Yeah, thing? just oh, okay. switch it up, right? A little change. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, what else? I don't know. I didn't really do anything too great. I, I mean, I had like my shooting routine, obviously, like before games that I had to do. Um, and if I didn't do it, it just threw me off 
Um, but those are probably the biggest ones. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, best flan dance move. Ooh. Yeah. That's it's hard because I don't know if he has a move. He's got yeah. just um, awkward motion almost. I got an answer. Well, I don't really know if it's a dance move, but after they beat DePaul, the whiteboard, jumping off the whiteboard. Oh, yeah. Where he, kicked video, it. he did that when we won at Drake, too, in four overtime games. So mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, the whiteboard jumping is pretty good. I think I, it's when impressive, he, honestly. Yeah, because he, I'm like, wait a minute, you can't be doing that, man. You got bad knees, and I think you almost pulled exactly. a hammy doing that. I mean, one bad move, and I mean, I'd be out, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the ankle go, something. <laughs> right, it's not the jumping part; it's the landing part. The landing, it's yeah, exactly, landing. <laughs> exactly for sure. Um, let's see. Let's make sure we got all these knocked out because I want uh, Thomas's to be the last one. <laughs> Because I feel like I might start a bloodbath with that one. Uh-oh. Um. Yep. Time for Thomas, I guess. Okay. Let's see if I can find it. I want to make sure I quote him properly to not start the uh, start <laughs> things off on the wrong foot. <clears throat> All right. Okay. So, where's Thomas playing right now? Rockers, right? Did yeah, he's actually in the transfer portal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So he wants to know. Well, he just wants me to bring it up. So he's basically just saying, "Start a fight." Is what he just. Okay. My directive was to start a fight. Sounds like him. Got to bring up. He did. It's not a question. He's like, "You got to bring up who the best hooper in the family is," and he's got two shrugs going. So I think he might so have a dog in this him. fight. But I mean, yeah. And, and and honestly, if for the uninitiated, I'm bringing Caitlin into this too because he said family. Okay. He didn't say household. Yeah. He said family. Okay. Right now we got like a national freshman of the year. Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, the obvious answer is Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't even think of that one. Yeah. Um, so I'll give her props on that one, right? All right. So we'll give a Clark, an- a Clark answer and a Faber answer. So Caitlin. Okay. And then if I'm going just household, I'm going myself, obviously. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I can't pick Thomas, right? Like, I mean, we, we probably go at it a lot, but. I mean, you can ask my sister. She's broken up a lot of fights, but I mean, I'm going to take myself, obviously. So, He's probably you, in better shape right now, but like, mm-hmm. I think I could, I think I could maybe, I mean, we had a lot of shooting competitions too. I mean. So what's the, what's the age difference there between you and Thomas? It is four years. Okay. So when you were a senior in college, he was um, senior, a senior, in in, senior in high school. Yeah. So what, who was winning right then and there? Cause that's probably, that's probably you at your physical peak, right? Yeah. Depending yeah. on part, depending on what part of the season it was in, I guess maybe in March yeah. you were like <laughs> yeah. a little worn down, but uh, yeah. Who was winning that? Who was winning during that stretch? The hard part is, is he's just stronger than me. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a hard part. Um, Are you the better shooter? Ooh. That then? Yeah. Yeah. I would say myself. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm always taking the better shooter in one-on-one. I feel like yeah. they're just, they just, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he would definitely say himself, and I would definitely say me. So, I mean, yeah. you, you don't know. Maybe we need Haley to sell, settle it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We should, yeah, they just get the get the family to chime in. There's three, well, there's three of you, like Haley. Yeah. And then mom and dad, right? So, it would be, a, it would be, it would decide the winner, right? Yeah. I, yeah. My dad would probably say he was the best of our household too. So you can throw that one in there too. 
Yeah, it's true. So you uh, yeah. maybe you just have to play it out again. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Not right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what uh, what was it like? Uh, just to ask about Caitlin a little bit here because she's honestly yeah. having a crazy year. Um, yeah. What was it like growing up with her and and kind of competing with her? Because I can't imagine. I know there's an age gap there. Obviously, it's pretty significant, yeah, yeah. but. Um, you know, was it, was it fun? Was it like tense? Was it, was it, was she, was she, were you guys both as crazy competing with each other as you were competing with the big East and the big 10? Cause yeah. she has kind of the same mannerisms as you when they're, when, I mean, she's yeah. just cold blooded killer out there. Like I feel bad sometimes like, gosh, she's um, so angry. I think we just have like a very competitive family overall. So, I mean, everyone's competitive across the board. But I would say she's closer in age to like my brother and Blake. So mm -hmm. I would say those, they went at it for sure. And I mean, a lot of my cousins around her age are all boys. So she just hung around the boys all the time and okay. um, got pushed around. Um, and I mean, that probably gave her a competitive edge. Um, but I, I can't say we ever like competed against each other. Like, I, I don't know. You didn't just go out in the driveway. If anything, it's like girls versus boys when we have like family events. So. I would not bet on Thomas or Blake. I would, I would not. I'm just saying it. I'm just <laughs> saying it for the record right now. Like if Thomas thinks he can beat you one on one, I, I don't know. So I haven't seen that. But if it's yeah. Audrey and Caitlin versus Thomas and Blake, I am taking the girls on that one. Like, All right. I, I don't it. even, I honestly wouldn't even, I'd feel bad. I'd be like, no, don't play because two of you are going to be really mad about what's going on here. See, they would honestly probably pick themselves, the boys. They would, huh? Okay. Yeah, they would. Maybe yeah. I don't feel as bad then. Maybe I'm like, go ahead and learn the hard way. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how much help I'd be right now, but. <laughs> well, the thing is, Caitlin's, Caitlin's, work. Caitlin's getting better though. So I feel like you're fine. Yeah. You can. You yeah. Can, you I can, just set some screens or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can play the diminished role. Like it's yeah. fine. Like I, cause she's just giving buckets to everybody out there. I think. Exactly. I mean, today they played Michigan State, and she was – I think she was, like, two for ten. Even though she was still dropping dimes, she had, like, eight assists. Yeah. Uh, she was two for ten, and then all of a sudden she decided it was time to just be a bucket getter again. Yeah. She got that, like – I knew this kid was in trouble because Caitlin went between the legs backwards. I saw as that. As she brought it up casually, I go, oh, shit, this is not yeah. good. <laughs> I was like, she's walking up like, like I'm about to catch a body here. And then yeah. – just like that little fadeaway three, all cash, no no rim, yeah. all net. I know. And then she hit two more to start the fourth quarter and put the game away. I'm like, good Lord, this kid's a killer. I know. I know. It's insane. And, I mean, I think the thing to me that's most impressive is just her shooting off the dribble. I mean, yes. it's just insane to me how consistent she is. Because, I mean, that's hard to do. Like, that's why a lot of people say like one dribble jump shots are the worst shot in the game because it's just, it's hard to shoot off the dribble and she's so good at it and mm -hmm. does it literally every day to everyone. Um, so yeah, I definitely saw that too. And then one of her girls got lost on his screen. So it was like the most open look she had had right. in games. I'm yeah. sure yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's in. <laughs> Did you, has she surprised you this year? Like you knew she was good, but you know, and she was one of the top recruits in the country, but are you, are yeah. you, I mean, to put up these numbers as a freshman, it's like, where are you going from here at this point, right? Are you going to average 40 in two years? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah. has she surprised I, you with how, you know, just the skills she's put on display at her age right now? I mean, 
obviously I knew she was very good and I've yeah. just always been impressed by her skill set and whatnot. And I mean, I think, especially when you go to the college level, I mean, just being around other players at her level, I mean, it just makes her better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being able to like make plays that she maybe didn't, couldn't make in high school um, because now she's at the D one level. Um, but obviously, I mean, just so impressed with her and the insane year she's had. And it's so fun to watch. I mean, it's literally just so exciting. I think, uh, and you know this cause I've hit you up all year, but early in the year, I was just like, wow. Cause I hadn't really seen her much. I, I've seen like a couple of her games in high school. So I knew, mm-hmm. knew she was really good. I'm not, yeah. I didn't think she was really good, but I think early in the year I was, it shocked me. I was like, good Lord. This kid, I mean, she dropped like, what'd she drop on Drake? 35. I game? think so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 35. She went to Lincoln and hit, hit him up for 30, 39 and Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, and the dagger. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a family tradition right there. Giving Drake yeah. and Nebraska buckets. Uh, yeah. I think, and then she hit the dagger three against Haby, like right a step in front of like, yeah. you know, that the Nebraska logo, essentially yeah. state logo. It's like, God, that's just, and now I just laugh because I, I know, know right? she's, I know she, I know like where she, where her spots are now. And I know uh-huh. how far she'll, she'll stretch her range. So mm-hmm. I, when I, like when a situation like today happens where she does that little casual between the legs backwards thing, I'm like, uh oh. She's gonna, she's she's gonna dream, bleed this clock and give this kid a bucket like she's gonna. Yeah. Well, it's funny because she texted me like earlier this tonight and she was like, "Say some prayers, I make shots." And I'm like, "Dude, you out your average <laughs> like a double double like twenty and ten. Like you are making shots, but I'm glad you want to make more." <laughs> yeah, you're just like, why would I waste a prayer on that? Like seriously. <laughs> like I always pray for you, Lynn. That yeah. that's why you're making shots. It's because of my prayers. Yeah. Exactly. exactly <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah uh, for everybody who like hasn't seen Clay- Caitlin yet this year, I mean, yeah. I think uh, tomorrow Ashley Ashley Owusu from Maryland, one of the best point guards in that conference too. She's a sophomore, mm-hmm. um, so her and Caitlin will be going head to head at one o'clock tomorrow on ESPNU. So check that out because that's going to be a yeah. show. Um, yeah. Let's wrap this up uh, a little Creighton Georgetown preview. I don't know how much of you seen the Hoyas this year at all, but. Uh, you know, they've been playing really well down the stretch. I think, you know, they beat Creighton on the road. Uh, they've beaten Seton Hall twice. Um, they obviously beat Villanova to start this tournament. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup, right? Because, you know, you, they've <laughs> it's the classic Creighton Big East matchup, right? You got a traditional five, uh, mm-hmm. long physical perimeter players. Yep. Um, so it is kind of going to be uh, the battle of the inside versus the outside. So, you know, the, the first two games, I guess, of the year, uh, you know, Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair got really hot in Omaha, and it was hard to shut them off. Um, so that'll be a problem for Creighton if those two guys get going, because if they can match Creighton on the perimeter, uh, the Jays have a real issue dealing with Wahab inside. Mm-hmm. And Belay too. Um, but in the rematch, in the rematch, Creighton owned the paint. I think they were – I think oh, they yeah. were – plus 30 in the paint that game, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, so they were, I think, but they blew them out in the in the, in the rematch in D.C., so it wasn't, mm-hmm. they 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 flipped the script a little bit. What, what I mean, what's it going to take tomorrow? Third game in three days, fourth game in four days for Georgetown. Um, is it just, is it just willpower at this point? Or are you just like, look, if we can get into a rhythm, 
it'll be our day. If not, it's going to be a little bit of a grind. Yeah. I mean, obviously Georgetown's on a roll, right? So you have to, you have to respect that for sure. Um, They're clicking at the right times. Um, But I mean, definitely if I am Creighton right now, I'm thinking we're probably going to shoot better, right? Um, Kind of keep shooting, get, keep finding those looks um, because they did get a lot of good looks, but just unfortunate roles tonight. But um, I think just, kind of respecting Georgetown because they are on a roll. So in, in a sense, it's kind of like a new team, right? You can't really look back at the games in the regular season. You kind yeah, of, they're, not, they're not like the eight seed right now. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the, you have to think of them as the second best team in the league right now because that's who they are. At exactly. This point. You kind of have to appreciate them for kind of the growth and kind of where they're at right now. So um, definitely just not not paying too much attention to, to that game where they blew them out, right? Um, yeah. Respecting them for – what they have and then again just trusting trusting the offense right um i mean they're going to get looks and they're going to make them cool well audrey i appreciate you finally we got to link up and, and uh yeah. break down a game this is a lot of fun um yeah well i'll probably be bothering you when caitlin's going off tomorrow so <laughs> not gonna lie uh but yeah i appreciate you hopping on uh, everybody i appreciate your questions and your feedback even uh the favorite family for chiming in and trying to start fights on the podcast that's cool yeah. too Totally fine with that. Um, hopefully I didn't sever any ties, any relationships tonight with your answers. So, um, All right. yeah, so this has been the Blue Jay Beat podcast sponsored by Court Date, uh, breaking down the UConn game. We'll come at you tomorrow. Um, I don't know who I'm going to have on yet. I kind of play by ear, so we'll see who we get. Uh, we'll break down the Georgetown game tomorrow and look ahead to the NCAA tournament after that one. Um, so for Audrey Faber, I'm Matt DeMarinas. Thank you for tuning in.